0: Welcome back to another episode of the 3F Podcast. Today, Jeff and I dive into an interview with Jason Clayton Cornell, a small business owner based out of Charlotte, North Carolina in the blue-collar space. If you have any questions for Jason, please leave it below in the Q&A section. And also, if you find today's episode helpful, please subscribe and like the video and share with your friends. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy all right everybody welcome to the fourth episode of the 3f podcast uh, as always your host timothy clayton cornell uh and joined by my co-host jeffrey Tahine mcgeen what up? <laughs> and uh we have a guest today for our first interview episode uh it's going to be a little confusing and i hear both me and jeff call him dad but we have my dad jason clayton cornell hey, hello Big Daddy Jason, <laughs> um, and as always, before we get anywhere, Jeff, what are you drinking today?
1: Oh yeah, dude, great! It's uh, it's called Alani New. Okay, I've seen I don't those. Know every- if you guys ever heard of this brand? Yeah, they're everywhere now, and it's my girlfriend's. And I woke up feeling kind of tired, so I was like, let me let me chug one of these real quick. Gosh. So that's my cup of Joe. It's oh. a pre-workout drink.
0: He's pretty much got the same. Dad, you've got, let's see, you I got uh, Celsius orange and actually a water. And uh, I'm on uh, Nespresso and water. I uh, like how I'm the youngest person here and I'm the only one drinking coffee.
1: Uh, yeah, dude, go with coffee the program, program. man.
0: <laughs> um, but today, I guess we're not here to talk about drinks. We are here to interview you, Dad, being the most experienced man in the in the room, and kind of let's let's hear a little bit about you. You know, what's what's your business history?
2: Uh, currently, um, I am a locksmith by trade, I guess you could say. Uh, I have been for over 30 years. Um, I've pretty much been in construction my entire life uh, through high school, done bricklaying, drywall, painting, um, pretty much anything and everything that had to do with home or uh, any type of construction. Um, a little bit of electrical work and stuff as an apprentice uh kind of off the wall did a die stamper for a a few years um which was stationary engraving it takes a long time to explain it but you can actually google it and find out what it was but uh when i started locksmithing that was uh that was it i knew that was my path this is something i enjoyed so it's been blue collar yeah pretty pretty much for my entire life has been uh um knuckle-busting sweaty work. <laughs> um,
0: and it, you said, you know, you've been a locksmith for 30 years. Now you are the sole
2: owner of the locksmith. Uh, your, your Correct. Business. My current business, um, Anchor Security and Locksmith, uh, we started with my former partner and I in 2003. Um, before that, I'd worked for a few other companies. Um, I had had my own company before that. Uh, actually, when you were born, and I had another company, I guess you could say, before that, when I first started back in the 80s. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been running this one for the last, God, what's it, 17 years, 18 years now. And uh, we'll probably run it until I either die or sell it. <laughs> so it's just, as far as my lifetime, I know
0: this, but you've had it's just been 20 plus years of entrepreneurship. Yep. And all in straight straight blue space. Correct. Um, which and a lot of, not a lot of people will talk about is they're like, oh, I, I own this company, but they've never been hands-on. So you've been boots on the ground, obviously wanting to move away from that.
2: Yes, uh, <laughs> of course, you know, as an owner, you always want to uh, be more of a manager or step out of it completely and let someone else run it um, just so you can actually be the true entrepreneur and just collect your paycheck. But uh, I wouldn't say it's hard for me. I mean, I, I, I am at that point in stages of My career, Um, it kind of comes and goes, depends on the ebb and flow of work and employees, but uh, I really enjoy enjoy what I do. I like doing the hands-on, you know, I like uh, getting my fingers dirty and for the most part, dealing with most customers.
1: Yeah, most customers. <laughs> yeah.
2: But um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's hard work. It will be in, having to wear multiple hats. You have to be an employee and it's sometimes for some employees, you have to be a friend or a mentor. Uh, um, you know, you have to be the owner, you have to be HR and you it's, it's, it can be tough and overwhelming a lot of times. Um,
0: I will say, I know Jeff has always mentioned these books to me more so than the other way around. Like the, you know, I know you're not an avid reader but the, the superior man books and no more a Nice guy it talks about having like a purpose and working with your hands a lot. Right, Jeff. Yeah. Um, and definitely seems like you, you found that something that gives you like that pride and completion. Um, how many people are currently in the company
2: uh, currently right now, including myself, there are four. Um, had, there was at times we had as many as nine. Um, and back when you were younger with my first company, um, we had as many as 13, um, with my previous one, but it's, uh, there's it good and bad when you grow. Uh, of course, there's more headaches when you have more people to deal with, but, um, it, it, it just, it depends on how it's run. If you get the right people and you have a right crew, it's easy for you. Um, but when you've got bad eggs in the case, it, uh, it can, it can really bring you down and it can actually run you in the ground. So, you know, keeping that balance, is hard. Um, I remember years ago, there was a, a doctor's office that, uh, I don't know if your mom worked there or not, but uh, they had an entrance interview and you had to answer the questions. And it basically was a personality test so that all the employees were mirror images of each other. So everyone got along. You know, and there was no good eggs or bad eggs. It was an interesting form. I actually ended up getting a copy of that and read over it, um, which I do for a lot of businesses. I speak with a lot of owners when I'm traveling for shows or education, you know, going to manufacturers, getting certified in their products. I talk with other business owners and find out what they do, how they run their business. And, you know, you're never going to find someone, oh, my God, this guy's got the perfect cookie cutter Um, scenario, I'm going to completely copy what he does. And it just doesn't work for everybody because people are different. You know, the area you work in, are different. Um, You know, the work you offer, whatever your services is is going to be different. But uh, you know, I take tidbits from everybody I talk to like, Oh man, I think this is really going to work or I can implement this or I can implement that. Or if I take this and tweak it a little bit, it'd probably serve our services better um, just to try to make my business grow. And keep my employees happy, you know, employees are happy, companies happy, customers are happy and uh, just step by step, just slowly progress. I mean, you're always learning. You, n- you never stop learning. You're always in education stage. Yeah. So and uh, I think that uh, definitely the education stage is really important because,
0: you know, you turn 50 this year and you're 30 years of entrepreneurship. And you're
2: still admitting that you have places to learn. You're yep, uh, it's every day. And it's not only just in business, but it's even in what I do. You know, uh, our industry is constantly changing almost. I mean, it seems weekly sometimes, but usually on a monthly basis, there's always something new coming out. So I'm always having to learn a new product, learn something that's progressed and gotten better, something that's gotten added to an existing product. And, uh, you know, whether, whether you're selling widget A or widget B, you have to be able to transfer that information to someone who knows absolutely nothing about it, you know, because you're looking to sell your product and your service to someone who has a need but doesn't really know what that need is. So you have to you have to read the person to understand them. So psychology comes into it, because then are they a, you know, personality A, personality B, personality C. So you have to know how to approach the sale then you have to be the salesman to know how to do all that and how to sell the product. So you have to know everything about it. And then they start asking you questions. You have to know as much as you can about that to answer those questions. Because some of the time you're so involved in learning the product, you don't think outside the box. Or oh, what about this scenario? What about that scenario? Um, so sometimes you have to just be honest and say, you know, I am unsure, but I will check into that and get back to you. You just have to be honest with them. Uh, you know, if you come out like, well, I don't know or no, people just don't want to hear that. So you have to be very positive, yeah, and that, that can go for, for every industry. That's obviously exactly that's just awesome. what I'm saying. No matter no matter what you're selling, whether it's widget A, widget B, or whatever, Insurance. yeah, and no matter what you're doing, you you really have to you again wear all the hats. So, huh,
0: that's interesting. Um, and so I guess you know just to kind of get onto that point, you know, getting into 30 years, how how do you think got you to grow
2: to where you are today? Persistence, um. You know, just uh, the need to never give up. Uh, You know, I had an ambition. Um, I knew early on that, don't ask me why, I I had this inner need that I wanted to be an owner of a company. I wasn't happy just working for somebody else because I knew I could offer more. Um, When I do my interviews, uh, hiring locksmiths and stuff like that, or anybody really, you know, uh, and even when people ask me why I do what I do, you know, I have... I I feel good giving someone else a job and it makes me proud to know that they're able to support themselves and or their families that, you know, I did something to help somebody else. Um, You know, a lot of it goes, you know, back to, you know, always being blue collar, uh, you know, was by my grandfather taught me, you know, be a jack of all trades, learn everything you can. If you're a tradesman, you'll never be out of a job. And learning all the trades of course it's mostly older people that knew them so you learn from all the older guys and they instill in you have pride in what you do so every time I do something I always want to do it to the best of my ability sometimes I go above and beyond and actually yesterday I saw to kind of go off trail here a billboard for a a local roofer here we were coming back from your game and it says sometimes i forgot the exact wording but the gist of it was basically sometimes we do the job and we make money sometimes we do the job and we lose money but we always do the job right yep I know no exactly matter what, what. and it was it's a roofing company locally and i was like damn that's that's a great phrase to pass on to a customer so i was like okay you know that's it's always the same mindset i've had just never in those words but uh, you know when someone hires you to do something you, know, you think you might mind, okay, it's going to take me this, this long, this many parts, whatever. And you come up with a number in your head and you go, okay, here, here's my number. Unless it's something way off and you're going to be, you know, you're going to lose double what you made, whatever. Um, most of the time, if you come up to a problem, like, ah, I'm just going to go ahead and take care of it and be done. Um, that's my mindset. Other companies want to come up to you and just nickel and dime you for every little thing they didn't see or whatever. Um, you know, if I know it's going to take me considerably more time and it's, I'm going to lose way too much money off it. As a business owner, you have to do it because you're in business to make money. You're not in business to help people out. Yeah. It's kind of wrong way to say it, but you kind of get the gist of what I'm trying to say. Um, but I just knew that that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to own my own company. Uh, I've worked for plenty of other people. i never had a problem. I enjoyed doing it. Cause I enjoy what I do. Um, and I enjoyed all the people I worked with, but uh, I've always wanted to be there to help other people and, you know, help them progress their life. Yeah. And
0: uh, it, it just, we hadn't said it before. So you're, you're based out of the Charlotte area, a little Correct. bit North. Um, we're in Charleston down here and the billboard. Uh, I know exactly what I'm talking about. It's actually three billboards and it's uh, at a profit. If we can Yep, at a loss, if we have to, but always good work. Yep. Um, and, and I, I do want to bring up the, we talked about opportunity costs before Jeff and, you know, you may have, you know, a thousand dollar job that you lose two or $300 on, but if you know that you're going to get more later, yep, that opportunity cost is going to far outweigh that that two
2: weeks. Yes, that's where, you know that's kind of what you're getting at is you know, I'm you know, I might lose five or ten percent on this job, or you know, I might lose fifteen percent. But the fact of you know, if you're reading the customer, um, again, you got to look at it as a salesman. You know, am I going to gain from helping this person out? And you know, yes, you know, with talking with them, I you know. I've, he was referred to me by somebody else, or I know that there's more work down the road because this person's an investor, you know, he's looking, he's doing commercial properties, he's doing, um, you know, the the Burr method or whatever. So you know, you're going to get more work out of it. And it's not that you're going to add that loss of value to your next job, it's know that you're going to continue to get jobs from that customer. So, there's bad in that too, but, uh, you know, it's, again, it's all in having that mindset and knowing that I'm here to promote my business, give myself a good name and, and perform a good service that you develop that repeat customer. Yeah. You know, some of them, you just can't make happy, but you know, you take the good with the bad. That's good. Right. So, so you're focusing uh, yeah. on,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. So you're, so what I'm hearing is you, you definitely add value where you can, And it does pay off in the long run. And uh, um, so let's see, for example, like that's like the five guys model, right? You know why they give you that little bag extra dump of French fries in there? That's that added value so that people say, hey, like I like this place. They're giving me a little something extra. So what you're saying is when you can go above and beyond, you take that opportunity. But you just make sure that you're not taking a big loss either. You don't want to get taken advantage of.
2: Yeah, you don't want to see a, something small, um, I just a case in point, I say um, to not get too technical. I'm at your house, I'm changing your lock because you just purchased it and you don't know what former family members or neighbors or anybody had a key to the house. So we're going to re-key it. And I noticed that you know one door kind of rubs a little bit on the top. I'll go ahead and tighten the hinge screws or do whatever I can to make the door operate the way it's supposed to. That's just an added value you know, normally if we come out there and we're hired to do that, it might cost them five to $25. But if I'm already standing there, I have the tool in my hand and say, Hey, you know what? I noticed this. You didn't point it out. I don't know if you didn't notice it, but I took care of it for you. You know? And they're like, Oh my God, I really appreciate it. And then that, that is that, that little thing that customers like, okay, you know, this guy really looked out for me or whatever. Um, But it's just something that, you know, and if I had to leave drive across town, pick up parts, come back. And now I'm on this job next to two or three hours. That's not an added value anymore. It's actually, it's, it's a loss. So, um, you know, that's when you have to approach the customer and say, Hey, I noticed this, uh, this is what it's going to take. And then we have to reschedule for another day. They either say yes, they want to do it or no, they don't. Hey, thank you for pointing it out. I'll just keep an eye on it. Okay. Still it's an added value, you know, cause you brought it up to the customer. You said there's an issue and you know, you know, we can handle it for you. Just give us a call when you're ready and we'll take care of it. Um, I guess, pros and cons, you know, balance, right. weighing it out to, to see what's, you know, what's the best.
0: Gotcha. And I, I know a little bit on that topic, and this is kind of putting your, your manager hat on your your owner hat on. You've talked in the past about you, you used to have, you know, up to nine employees and, and you have one bad egg. When you have one guy go out and he does the bare minimum and or he does like the hatch job of it. How, how did you react to that? And how did you try to, like, regain that customer to get like, Did you have to go back and do some value-added work to keep their business? Or?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, really, it's uh, – you have to start, you know, kissing butt. I mean, you really um, – there are – some scenarios where no matter what you if you can read the person you can tell i could give this guy all i can give this guy brand new door brand new locks whatever is, you a know, brand new safe whatever it is and he's still not gonna be happy and you just have to you know what i'm just gonna do what i need to do and and take the loss take the hit because this guy's probably never going to call us again anyway because he's already got a bad taste and he's yeah. he, he can't see past it to see that there is better value there um but for the most part yeah you just have to eat it and you know, you're paying one of your techs or yourself to go out there and repair the problem and, uh, and, and keep your fingers crossed. Yeah. So I know there's an old adage of, if you have a terrible
0: experience with somebody, they will tell 10 friends. Yep. And if you have a great experience, you may tell three Yep. and it, it might be often, but then yeah no, but it's
2: usually, think. uh, yeah, it's pretty much what I used to hear in, uh, networking groups i used to do years ago um trying to expand and grow the business and that's what it was you know you can you can service 100 people and one person will leave one review that one friend will see but you can piss off one person and they'll leave one bad review which will see 10 of those 100 and then they'll tell 10 friends and every friend they ever see and it's uh i had an insurance friend tell me once that um a person left a bad review and then anytime. He ran to this person later and asked them why I left a bad review, kind of confronted him just to kind of say, what What can I do to grow and not make this mistake again? And he's and the guy told him that anytime he's in public and he hears the word insurance in another conversation, he butts in and tells him don't call this guy. That's, that's how, I guess you could say petty. I don't know. Um, but I mean, I guess his experience was that bad that he felt he had to try to destroy this business. Yeah. So that, yeah. I mean, it one bad A can really kill you yeah. in, in your, uh, in your customer service. I mean, if you have a large city and, you know, if you
0: go to networking groups or you work in a big corporation, that guy's, if you know, middle management or just the sales yep. guy, He's going to talk to 100 people a day. Yep, and if 10 of those guys mention insurance, now you have 10 people every day yep. for how Constantly many years? Yeah.
2: So, and like I said, but there's always going to be that person, no matter what you attempt to do, you're not going to make that person happy. Yeah. Um, but uh, you just have to do whatever is within your power to try to keep every client to an extent happy with your service. Yeah. No matter what it is, like I said, if you're selling insurance, doing locks, um, you know, you're paving driveways, whatever it is, you. You come out there and my driveway looks like this. I'm not going to tell everybody to call you yeah, if it's wavy you not. Yeah. And, you know, if it's patchy and it starts cracking within a week, I, I'm not. I'm for one, I'm blowing your phone up. You know, you got to come fix your issues. Yeah. And two, I'm telling everybody not to use you, even though you came out and fix it. I'm probably still going to tell everybody not to use you. Yeah. Um, or, you know, or I had a bad experience. Yes, they did fix it, but it took me these steps to get it corrected. Um, So those are the things you try to avoid. Yeah. And that, that
0: goes to if you use this personality test, which I've, is probably a lot harder in blue collar work than in an office job. Yep. Which, you know, my mom used to work at a dental office uh, and, and then a chiropractor. So, you know, it's probably a little easier to kind of get those people in there than in blue collar work. Cause you have a, a much smaller group to pick from. Yeah. Um, and I will say that this kind of makes sense. Cause uh, I don't know if you do this, Jeff, I know I kind of learned this from you. If you go to buy a product online, you look at the average stars. If it's four stars, that's, that's a great review. That's 80% really. Yeah. Uh, but you want to see what the ones and the twos are. You really don't yeah, press the fives. Very,
2: yeah. If, if it's, um, yeah. You know, especially if it's a low number, if they're you know, hundred, 200, 300 reviews and they're at four stars, like, okay, that's, that's actually really good. Like you said, but uh, when you go down and you see that 18%, let's just say it's a hundred, 18 of those hundred are one stars and the other, you know, the remaining are five. Why? Why it, it, nearly 20% of these people have an absolutely horrendous, you know, and again, it's, it could be the people. You, then you have to read through them and do your own homework yeah. like anything else. So, um, and to, you know, get into that, like when, I, when, when people come in my store and I talk to them, whether they're going to sit come look at a safe or they have questions because they want to do, you know, a smart home, you know, they want locks they can you know, use their phone for, they want to use an alarm they can use your phone with and be able to turn lights on, all that stuff. I will spend hours with a customer trying to educate them. And I tell them upfront, I, it doesn't matter to me. If you don't purchase from me, if you do great, I, I, I appreciate your business. I love it, but I want you to make an informed, educated decision. Don't come in here and talk to me and then go buy something else. And it cause it was cheaper, which is usually the case for most people. It's shopping on price. Mm-hmm. Um, and then complain about it because, you bought the wrong product. I tried, you know, I tried to educate you so that if these are what you're looking for, these are the things you need to look at. You want to look at, you know, ABC and D. Um, if these products don't have this, it's not going to do what you want it to do. Um, and majority of the time, about said, I'd say about 70% of people end up come back and buying from us. Yeah. And it's just that experience. It's feeling comfortable with somebody. And, I tell my friend, I'm not a used car salesman. I'm not here to push anything on you. I'm going to educate you. If the products that I offer or the service I offer fits your need, great. Then we will take care of you and we'll get it knocked out. Um, But, you know, some people come in and like I said, it's a price point thing. So they don't see the value added service to our cost. So I'm sorry, I I can't help you. You know, someone will come back and say, oh, well, this guy says he'll do it for this. Can you do it for that price? No not for what I'm giving you. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's going to come out, you know, bolt it on or drop it off and leave. We don't do that. No, it's red carpet service. You know, like I said, if it's insurance, we're going to be there. We're going to answer the phone for you. When you call, you don't have to call the internet number. You can call me direct. I'll do all your filing for you. Um, you know, or if you're paving your driveway, we're going to come out, we're going to clean up everything. We're going to trim your grass when we're done. You know what I mean? We're going to paint it if you want to. Um, well, you know, it's, that extra service you put forth is what's really going to gain you everything you're looking for. And it's what's going to keep people coming back to you because you they'll, they're willing to pay that little bit extra. Yeah. You know, I go to a restaurant because the wait staff is really good. If I get good service and the foods it's good. I'll keep going because the food's good, but I get good service. Yeah. If your food is great and your service sucks, I'm not coming back. Cause oh, yeah. not willing to deal with the BS to get a good steak or, you know, get a good meatloaf or whatever it is. Um, it's all, it's the front line. You're the face. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's, uh, at least in my,
0: my groups and with you and Jeff, I feel like that's the big go-to now is like, I feel like maybe for 10, 15 years, people were like, let's just go the cheapest route. Yep. Let's save the money. And people are realizing that cost, like, especially with even like people are now going to Amazon that have these reviews rather than going through the Groupons and the, the small apps Yep. that they just kept getting products that would break. They're like, I'm done with this. Let me go back to customer service. Let me go back to that extra
2: work Yeah, that it, people it, are putting in. There was a, a customer had said something to me. I, I can't remember. It was probably a year or two ago. And um, it was talking about, you know, three or four years ago, Wish was huge. Everybody was buying everything off of Wish. And, and the old adage, it turned out that it was, uh, you know, I wish I got the product I saw on the picture. yeah i got me an extra large t-shirt for my chihuahua you
1: know
2: um that it's and that i know of i don't hear people talking about that anymore yeah i really don't hear people talking about ebay anymore and ebay is still huge i mean nothing against them they're massive yeah i mean they're not amazon but they're probably as big as walmart yeah you know what i mean um but you don't hear people like oh yeah i saw this on ebay i saw this on amazon
0: yeah and, you know, i mean amazon is the second largest company in the world i think i think behind apple now so something like that yeah um that, that's that's crazy
2: for sure um but that's wish sold crappy products and yeah. it killed them you know and then uh, kind of if you look on ebay not to not to down them but uh you'll see things on there which i bought from wish you know i had a few products and they some of them were good, some of them were bad. But you'll see a lot of things I, I, I'll see pop up on eBay when I search for something as your Google list goes down. And uh, you look at it and you're like, oh, well, they're just third party selling. You place an order with them, he places the order ships it to you. They're not supplying anything, they're literally just going on to wish and ordering it for you. And <laughs> you get it when you get it. Um, yep. yeah, but anyways, back to blue collar. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I feel like it's, <laughs> that's
0: still a good
1: segment. There's something to be learned from there.
0: Um, Jeff, you got what's next?
1: How much did you have to work early on to get to today?
2: Oh, man. Um, yeah, really worked all the time, literally. Um, for the first probably 15 years, uh, it was 24-7. You know, whether I was working for somebody else or my own business, I was constantly always on call. Um, and that was for multiple reasons, um, of course, being, you know, young and in my early twenties, it was uh, it was money, you know, the more I worked, the more money I made. And um, back then I, it was good money in the eighties and nineties. Um, but as I got older, um, of course, you know, started family and was never home. And I didn't see it early on Then, um, of course, you know, had this guy. Um, then I started growing, you know, started to hire more people to take more off of my load and my 24 hour days turned into 18 hour days, then 16 hour days. And then, uh, then I started realizing that uh, I, there was so much I'd missed, you know, with my kids growing up because I was always at work, you know, I mean, they never wanted for anything. You know, we always had nice houses and, you know, they had everything they ever wanted, but me. So it finally, it got to a point you know, after so many years that I was like, I just, I can't do this anymore. I just, I cut out the own call. And then I just did, you know, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., something like that, you know, 12, 14 hour day. And God, when uh, the housing market crashed in 07, 08, um, I said, screw it. We're nine to five, Monday through Friday. I'm not doing anything anymore. If I can't help you between nine to five, then you have to wait to another day or I can refer you to another company. And, uh, That was that was a huge step. Not only for myself to make me feel better about myself and what I was doing, um, it actually helped the business, but uh I felt I grew closer with my family by uh I guess coordinating all my time between personal life and business life.
1: Yeah. So you finally started like prioritizing instead of just going gun-ho hundred percent all the time. So I I want to ask you those first 10 years. Did you, how long did it take you to experience any kind of burnout within those first 10 years? Or did you experience any kind of burnout?
2: Really? Because um, uh, the last
1: podcast, we talked about that.
2: Um, last I really didn't. And early on, I really didn't because, you know, I was, um, I, I mean, I was in my early 20s. I had all the energy in the world, you know? I mean, and to me, it was just like, go, 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 no matter what it was. Even on my, I mean, I'm still that way today. I'd never sit still, but it's uh it i never really got burned out when I was doing it. When I took on an ownership portion running 24 seven, then I started feeling a little burned out. And uh, it just, cause it was overwhelming. You know, I'd worked, you know, 14, 16, 18 hours that day. And then I had to go home and do, you know, three hours with the paperwork or, you know, we got the next morning and ran out the door to go to work and running calls all day and go, damn, I forgot to do payroll. You know, so then it's like, okay, I got to hurry up and finish up my day. So I can get home and cut everybody their checks. So then I got to drive around town and get a hold of everybody. Uh, you know, we didn't have apps to transfer money back then. You know, <laughs> this is before the internet, <laughs> but uh, you know, at, at those times, you know, once I got into uh, the the late nineties, you know, once I'm in it, you know, 15, 16, 17 years is really when I started feeling the burn. Um, and that's when I started cutting the hours back. Cause uh, you know, I could, I could feel it in my body and in my mind. Yeah. I just, I, I just can't do this. You know? And I kind of think this
0: kind of touches on our, our second episode on, um, that mental side of it that, you know, Jeff, you and I, we can, we can run and work out all day. You and I can just go on the physical side and do everything from sunup to sundown. And we'll be tired at the end of the day and we'll sleep like a baby. Yeah. But there's no issue. But the second you start making us want to make decisions, the second we have to start doing stuff and it's the decision fatigue thing, that's when it really starts wearing you down. Yeah. Um, and that's that's when you start maybe making work decisions, forgetting about payroll, and yep. forgetting how to you know forget. Which the- I still do today. <laughs> um, and just it's it's the extra work on the mental side because your body can go forever. I mean, we're designed to go forever. Yep, we're designed to chase antelopes for you know miles on end and never be tired after carrying a heavy spear and a shield.
2: But we're not designed to have to worry. Yeah, about most of uh, most of my my more tiring days now are my CEU, my class days, my continuing education. Um, and it's because, you know, you're focused on one thing and trying to absorb everything you can. And, you know, you're staring at the screen and you're, you're feeding on every word that that person is telling you. Or if you're in a classroom, um, you know, you're staring at them talking and you're watching, you know, their, their PowerPoint or whatever. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm just beat, you know, I come home and, you know the wife looks at me and says you're tired and i'm like uh, yeah i'm i'm more out <laughs> i'm more worn out now than if i was you know running around all day or climbing up and down ladders and in crawl spaces or whatever um yeah the 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 mental the mental wear down is worse than the physical Where you <laughs> you do need that that day after to like i just need to sit here and be dumb and stare at a wall just so I can kind of get my head together, <laughs> which two points yeah. on that one where would we be without you know my stepmom and
0: you know Leah and then Beth? Where would we be without them telling us, Hey, you look like death? <laughs> yeah, you know, we would have never stopped, <laughs> would we? No, I oh, I, I, yeah. I mean, it just I mean, I, I didn't
2: listen at first, <laughs> it's just my I just didn't listen at is. first
1: till it got to me, you
2: know. I mean, and the bad thing about it is, there's not many people like that left, yeah, that just have that go-getter attitude um that mentality to just constantly drive to be better at whatever it is you know whether it's working out or if it's work or you know just to be you know the smartest person you can and just constantly become a career student you know whatever it is there's not many of them left i mean you can probably put everybody in a little bowl and say these these are your worker bees well yeah i mean some people will call them mental (laughs) because why do you want to do that but uh um, that's probably another segment yeah. that you can, we can get into on another day. Cause that's a long topic, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, there's, it's, it's hard to find people like that, but when you do, they're the ones you keep around for a long time. Yeah. And whether it's friends or employees or whatever, those are the ones you hold on to.
1: So in yeah. your opinion, um, would you say that that work ethic, is that something that's ingrained in you? are you born with that drive and that work ethic or can that be taught? Can that be developed over time? Um, cause people, people are starting to lose that. So is that something that over time, you know, our lives are getting easier. People don't have to work as hard, so they don't really, they choose not to, or is that something that's internal that's always going to come out no matter what the situation, the environment, what do you, what do you think about that? Um, it's, that's
2: a double-edged sword because you really have pros and cons from both sides. Um, I think it's, it's it really, it's a little bit of both. I think it's ingrained because if you're raised around people who aren't go-getters, hard workers, you know, if they look for the easiest way to make the quickest dollar, then that's the mentality you're going to have. Um, but if you're around someone who's always looking to better themselves and better their lives and everyone's lives around them, then you're going to, you're going to absorb that energy from that person. Um, I my, uh, my aunt always says, um, that you are who you surround yourself with. So if you're around people who are always negative, you're going to be negative. If you're around people who are always happy and laughing, then you're going to be in that same mood. Um, if you're around people who are always hardworking, then you're going to want to be hardworking. But if you get with a group of guys who kind of stand around the side of the road, all seven holding shovels, talking to each other then you're going to be standing there talking. You're not going to be able to one by yourself, digging the hole. It, it's, it is who you surround yourself with. So I think it's a mentality thing. It's what you absorb as any child as they're growing up. When if they see you beating your head against the wall, they're going to go beat their head against the wall because they think that's normal. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, but yeah, it's it could go both ways. You know, It can be taught because like that's the point I was making there is you're teaching. But some people, as some children um, are always looking to educate themselves. They're always trying to figure things out. Um, it's that mechanical personality. If you've ever done one of those online, mm-hmm. you take the personality test and you find, Oh, you're a mechanical, you're a thinker, or whatever. Uh, I'm mechanical. I'm a hands-on guy. That's why I'm a locksmith. Uh, you always want to figure things out. I always want to know why it works. Why does this break? Why can this do that? And other people really don't care. So, um, that leads into it also, whether that person's mental build is designed to learn and become a hard worker or is their mental build choose to be I want to stand back and just watch how it's done I'm going to be a, I'm a seer you know I'm not hands on so yeah and I think that's you know just a little point on that is
0: like so you engraved a lot in me you know for 17 years of life before I joined the air force because I left home at 17 about that that kind of doing and as we as i got older and through my teen years it became more prominent and then the, to the learn side when i joined the air force i in certain areas certain bases that i was at i either had the workers or i didn't and i could i could physically see when i started to drop off and especially now that i look in hindsight yeah. and then you know moving moving to delaware meeting jeff meeting some of the people that i used as like my mentors and stuff and then even moving down here to south carolina I can see I'm getting back, you know, from where I was kind of like you know, a little bit more hands-off, more jokey, not as much as a hard worker. Mm-hmm. And then surrounding myself on the other side with wanting to be a hard worker. I think it more so had to do with when I found a purpose or what I had a goal Yep, was the main driving force. But when I had a goal and driving force, it changed who I hung around. And then ingrained in me, but it was, it was ingrained in me, but then I, I started to surround yeah. myself with people in it. I started working on it more. Yep. And what I think is ironic i I've done this personality test and you know you're super mechanical and all of my tests do not say that Yeah. <laughs> uh, all the tests I've taken my lowest scores are the mechanical sides, which is hilarious. Cause I'm an aircraft mechanic. Yeah. Uh, but I have scored very high on like, like the, the leadership and especially the math portions, like the decision-making and i have always been where I've at. Um, so I, I think that's kind of funny, you know, coming in being the reciprocal of, of you when it comes to those, just like that, that learning style. And yeah. Um, and I, I want to share a quick story. I remember before you and mom broke up, her talking about the story of you having pink eye when you were, I think you, you were on your own, your own truck. It was by yep. yourself. And mom was cleaning your eyes so you could continue to work. Yep. So yeah, you could you yeah, know, finish Yeah, we was
2: I uh, actually had her driving for me that day because I couldn't see. And of course, you know, I didn't want to cause an accident or anything. So I had to go do a job. It was no more detail it's like bank of america parking garage in downtown charlotte and uh the guy's security tried opening this door, or whatever knocked the rods off so i had to fix the doors once i got in the vehicle and of course it's middle of summer it's 115 degrees outside and uh you know i've got my hands inside of a door i can't see anything on top of it and i'm sweating into my eyeballs and yeah your mom was sitting there with a rag and wiping my eyes so i can try to focus on what i was looking at so, but yeah, and that's just, you know, that's, again, that's that hard work, that drive, that pride of what we do, that nothing's going to stop me. I mean, you know, if I've got something to do, I'm going to do it. Um, I, don't know, I guess it's, it, it's been ingrained to me since I was a kid. I've always been that way. Yeah. And whether it was when I played football or baseball, I tried to be the best I could. And, uh, you know, always wanted to be a winner. And, you know, I don't want anybody just to hand me a trophy. I wanted to know I earned it. I, everything I do, I, I, I earned it. You know, I would go buy myself a new car. I earned it. I wouldn't buy a big screen TV. I earned it. You know, not that I need to have all these things to make myself feel better, but it's just, you know, I've worked my butt off for so you know, many months or years. I think I'm going to treat myself to something, you know, I'm going to take a break and this is going to be my thank you to myself that, Hey, keep up the good work. Fruits of labor. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and again, not to get off like, so we,
0: uh, Air Force rugby, we got second place this year. And uh, still good. Bad. Well, that's what people tell me. That silver medal pisses me off every time I see it. Yeah.
2: It's uh, in, in my mind, to me, if that was me in that position, I always look at myself as I'm the first place loser. Yeah. You know, And but it's still good work. I mean, you got to think of everybody behind you, you're better than, but now you've got a goal. Yeah. You've got one 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 person, one thing. One I got to be better than just that. And then now I'm the best. Uh, and that's just, an, it's an internal war you play with yourself. Yeah. So we all um, have a
1: little Ricky Bobby inside of us. If you ain't first, <laughs> if you ain't first or last. <laughs> we all have a little Ricky Bobby inside of yep. us, man. So, Hey, me and, me and Jeff, buddy, we got a little bit of shake and bake
0: action between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, to touch on that war. I think that kind of leads perfectly in the next question. Uh, what attributes do you think got you not only as, you know, the hard worker you are today, but the businessman that you are today?
2: Mistakes. Um, You know, like I said earlier, you're you're always, always learning no matter what, Um, you know, like I said, with me, with products and services, um, you're always expanding your education, your knowledge to better perform your job. Um, And you learn just as much off of doing something new as you do off your mistakes. Um, Trying to progress to not do those mistakes again, which is going to take you to the next level to keep growing, you know, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not a big reader, but I do read some, <laughs> but you know, what a lot of people say is if you can't learn from your mistakes, you're never going to learn anything. Yeah. So, and that's whether it's history, politics, math, money, bank, whatever it is, you have to learn from your mistakes to grow. So. And uh, this is a quote that's been sitting in my mind.
0: Uh, I heard from a, a military leader of someone I respect very highly and I think this goes with your continued education courses. Uh, it's a, a smart man learns from his mistakes, but a wise man learns from someone else's. Yep. So do you have an example of like when you learn from someone else's mistakes? Yeah. And that
2: is what, kind of earlier when I mentioned, uh, you know, talking with other business owners and stuff when I'm traveling or even locally. And it doesn't even really have to be in my industry. It's, you know, where I'm talking to um you know, someone at a networking group or something like that. And then, you know, I talk to how they got into their industry and, you know, what got them to where they are, you know, and how they're growing their business that, you know, they tried this and this and this, and then this and this didn't work, but this did. Well, it doesn't mean it's going to work for my business. Um, So, you know, you kind of absorb their mistakes to try to say, okay, well, if I tried this, and you try to run the, the scenario through your head that, you know, what you think that the process might entail and what the end is going to come. um, You could be completely wrong. Yeah. Um, You know, whether it's advertising, you know, this guy did postcards and this guy did email, this guy did Valpac mailers. um, You know, this guy took donuts to the police department every day, you know, whatever it is, you really, you have to try everything. And you can't just try it once and say, okay, it didn't work. You have to stick with it and keep trying to make it work. And then after, you know, if it's a month, six months, a year saying, you know what, there, there is no gain to continue this. It's just not going to work for what I need to. Um, you know, like I said, whether it's an advertising or if it's you know a new product you're trying to sell or whatever it is, um, or if you're trying a new service and it's just doesn't work for you, then yeah, you, you have to learn from that mistake. Okay. I, I know not to try this again or, I need to come back to this later. It's just shelf this idea. And maybe we can come at it in six months or a year or five years later with new fresh eyes, because I've learned more from other things to come back and try to make this work. Yeah. So,
0: and I know that goes on, you said persistent earlier. Yeah. That's, 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 you know, making sure you stay persistent. And it's, it's, I think we talked about the hard work thing. It's not accepting defeat the first time. A lot of people, I tried it. I lost by didn't walked away. Um, You know, and In sports, if you lost your first game that you played in or you lost the second game and you gave up, what was the point? Yeah, you just don't quit. Yeah, you just you keep going.
2: And eventually you're either gonna win at what it is you're doing, or you're gonna find another avenue to still win at the end. Yeah, you know, like I said, I I don't know, it's kind of hard to put this in the scenario. So if you're trying, I'm gonna do it this way and it doesn't work, you know. I'm I'm pressure washing houses. And, you know, all I'm doing is advertising, on Craigslist and I'm not getting anybody want me to clean their house. Well, I'm just not going to put an ad up on Craigslist to sell my equipment. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna, OK. Maybe I need to, you know, go hit the penny saver. You know, put it on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. You know, you got to start broadening out to, to keep going. You know, I really want to clean houses. So if this is really what I want to do, I just don't give up. You have to you have to have a drive in yourself and, and a want and a need to really do what's going to, if that's, what's going to make you happy, you have to do it. Yeah. So,